Hello, welcome to Meraki Unboxed, and it's 2020. My goodness, uh, we are back for a new season. Let's call it a new season. Um, I am super excited to be back. It's been a little while since our last episode. We did the last one, I think, towards the end of December. So thanks for your patience while we get the next uh, line of episodes all lined up for you. And we're going to start off 2020 uh, with a look at uh, Meraki switching. So really excited about that. Uh, before we get into that and introduce our guests today, we've got two uh, guests who are both very excited about getting started on this. Um, I'm just going to very quickly remind you all about Meraki Unboxed. Uh, we put these out on average, if it isn't the holiday season, uh, every two weeks or so, and the discussions are focused around all topics relating to Meraki. Some of them are technical. Uh, we're kind of technical today. We're definitely going into a little bit more of the technology side of things. And sometimes we look a little bit more at the business side of things, what we do as a, as a business, uh, what our culture is like, what it's like to be an employee working here. So if you subscribe to the Meraki Unbox, which of course is the easiest way for you to do that, uh, you can do that in your favorite podcast app. It's also on uh, Spotify. You can find it there too. And even on YouTube, we do actually have some people who prefer to consume podcasts on YouTube. So whatever you'd like to do, uh, this is broadcast around those places. And we'd love to have you as a subscriber. So please do subscribe. We're also really open to feedback. Uh, the Meraki community at community.meraki.com. Uh, is a great place to provide that feedback. Alternatively, I'm online on Twitter all day, every day, and I love hearing from folks who are listening to the show. Uh, so you can tweet me at Meraki Simon, uh, and you'll find me straight away. All right, so let's get into the uh, content for today. And uh, it's all about Meraki switching. Uh, and in the room today, I'm joined by two illustrious colleagues from our product management team. I'd like to introduce on my left, Mr. Rob Watt. Hey, Rob. Hey, Simon. I've just realized why on earth am I saying on my left when this is a purely audio-based uh, podcast? It gives no, people perspective. Perspective. On my right, since we've started that way, uh, we've got uh, Mr. Lewandowski, Stephen Lewandowski. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks, Simon. All right. So thanks very much. Uh, they're very excited about getting this conversation going. I can tell you that. They're both smiling in anticipation of what's about to happen. Um, that, okay. So let's do some uh, proper introductions. Rob, tell us about you. What have you been doing in your career? How did you come to Meraki and what do you do for us now? Okay. Wow. This, is, uh, this may take a little while. Um, so I've actually been with Meraki for um, close to six years now. Um, uh, currently in the, the the product management team, product manager on MS. But prior to this, I was actually uh, a field seller for okay. Meraki. So uh, I started with Meraki up in Western Canada, moved down to the Bay Area uh, about five and a half years ago, five years ago, somewhere in there. And uh, yeah, it's been an adventure ever since. Some warmer weather. Warmer weather, no winters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one season, as I found out, just one. Right, right. Yes, it is kind of like that. It's like perpetual spring around here. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's been a it, it's been a, a great adventure. And then uh, you know, kind of before this this uh, vendor land for me, I used to be in a partner community, so mm -hmm. I worked for a number of Cisco partners up in Canada. So okay, and so what have you been doing for us at Meraki? Well, tell us because I know that I mean we all three of us have been here for a little while now. So tell us about the various hats you've worn. The various hats. So uh, as I mentioned, uh, I used to be a CSE out in the field. So I would work with customers to design solutions based on Meraki products. Mm -hmm. um, you know, work in a, in a um, you know support uh, type of relationship with customers to make sure that their the solution is working to their uh, in meeting their needs, mm -hmm. if you will. Right. Yep. Um, and then you know moving over into the product side, uh, I was originally on a team called Product Architecture. 
And what product architecture focused on was how Meraki interoperates with other Cisco solutions. Mm -hmm. So how do we work with things like ICE or um, you know a, a catalyst deployment? So really focused on on kind of the the, the concept of one Cisco. All right. Yeah. And, then, and now? And now uh, I am a uh, product manager on MS, um, primarily focused on software. But you know, because I had that background in product architecture, I also have uh, a responsibility for uh, some of the features that we're developing that have a Cisco um, component to them. Right. right. Okay. So some of the some of the newer features, which I know we're going to get into discussing uh, during this uh, during this episode. So stay tuned. And we'll come back to you, Rob, for sure. Um, MS, does it actually stand for anything? I know some of the product lines it does and some of them it doesn't. Does it mean Meraki Switch? It does. It does mean Meraki Switch. Okay, so we've got that essential basic fact established. Good job. Um, Stephen, welcome to the show. Tell us all about you and your background and all the same things that Rob did. Sure. Thanks for having me. So my name is Stephen. As you mentioned, I'm a product manager in uh, MS. And I generally look after the software roadmap, um, new features, how to prioritize those, um, as well as you know things day to day like release cycles and that sort of thing. Um, prior to this, I've I've worn a few different hats at Meraki. I uh, just previously to this, I was an SE director uh, in public sector. Mm -hmm. I was also an SE uh, out in the field before that. Uh, and I've also been with Cisco for most of my career. Um, before Meraki, I was also a field seller for uh, a different part of Cisco. Right. So you've had you've experienced both sides, if you like, the Cisco and the Meraki side of of the house. Absolutely. And how do you how do they compare for you? Uh, so I mean, there's good and bad on on every side. But uh, to be totally honest, I. You know, one of the reasons that brought me here is that there's there's so many so many things that uh, different Cisco portfolios can do. Um, but what I found was I was often recommending um, different products to those customers, and many times I'd come back, you know, five, six, twelve months later, and mm -hmm. they haven't in hadn't implemented all of it. So either because they didn't have the time or they didn't have the technical expertise, um, but it just made me feel like sometimes less is more. Um, right. And that simplicity message really resonated with me. Now, as Meraki has evolved, it's not really less is more. Now it's more, uh, you know, how do we do things scalably and powerfully while still keeping that, you know, that, that kind of simple message at heart. Right. And I think one of the things we're going to get into today is definitely exploring how some of the things that used to be hard to be made easy so that we can clear the way and bring in some new things which are a little bit more complex, but we've actually got time to do them because we've uh, we've removed some of the routine stuff. Would that be a reasonable description? Yeah, absolutely reasonable. Yeah, yeah and I think, I, I mean, I remember um, my life as a, a network engineer for a few years, a long time ago, uh, was command line, and it was very rudimentary graphical user interfaces, and switching is probably, or at least was at the time, pretty much the, the steepest curve that you had to, to climb in terms of knowing all the protocols and knowing how to configure on these various different um, switch models. So obviously bringing the Meraki magic and the, the dashboard and the, the simplicity there has really enabled us to, to simplify some of those more complex things from the past. But you still need to know all this stuff, right? There's still a lot of knowledge that goes into switching. I think people take it completely for granted. They talk about plumbing, 
I hate that. Does who was an SE and heard that one? You heard that one, Rob? Yeah, I, I've heard yeah, that one. That absolutely. It's, that it's yeah. just the plumbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nothing could be further than the tr- from the truth. And it's like the central nervous system, really, of pretty much every business that we deploy to. Your APs won't work if you don't have a switching network to plug it into, and so on and so on and so on. So I think today we want to think about uh, some of the ways in which switching does contribute in a meaningful way to uh, the experience that uh, that regular users of the network can have. Uh, okay, so where should we start? Let's um, let's start with a little bit of a potted history. I we were talking before I pressed the record button about when Meraki started doing switching. Um, that was way back in we established in 2012. So we are uh, we're now I think are we veterans in the industry? You could I think that. Qualifies. That qualifies as I think in IT time that that qualifies. In IT time. Yeah. Um, so th- there's been a lot of development over that time. The number of models has expanded, really exploded to a huge number that we have uh, now for for all these different options. Um, maybe uh, if we could just do a quick breakdown of what the portfolio looks like and the different use cases. So maybe think in terms of scale of deployments and how the requirements tend to change as we go up. Um, who's actually done it? Who's done the deployments? I, They're I think pointing fingers at each other now, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll give a go at it. And um, you talked about scale of deployments. The the wonderful thing about it is that any of the, the you know, from the low end to the high end and anywhere in between, um, scale is always at the, the top of our mind. Right. Um, so that should be a given across all of them. And I think then it's more about, how how much power do you need behind the the switch to give you what kind of features? Mm-hmm. Um, we have massive deployments uh, from customers that are you know exclusively on the MS one twenty, which is our very basic, still right. enterprise class, but very basic switch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you need to do some switch port security. You need it to. I don't know, switch traffic. Right. Uh, these are all things it does very well. But on top of that, you know, of course, Meraki's always given you that one extra. So insight into the traffic analytics and things like that mm-hmm. is, is a given. Um, but as you go, you know, up to uh, the higher end, we also have those, you know, very large or small customers that need the power um, because it's going to be in their, you know, eight-story campus building right. um, with, you know, the hundreds of people coming in Monday morning and just expecting it to always work. Right. So there's there's the, you know, the high end of that, the low end, and there's definitely models in between. As and then well. you get into the some of the more, the bigger configuration challenges like your spanning tree group sizes and your, whether you're going to do layer two and layer three and all of those kind of debates, right? Right, yeah. Layer two, layer three, do you want it to stack? Do you want it to not stack? Right. Um, 10 gig uplinks, one gig uplinks, the, the sorts of things that you would expect from enterprise switching. Totally. Yeah, so the, the, I think the, one of the things that's really been impressive for me looking at the portfolio is how uh, we talk about this zero-touch provisioning, and I think it applies super well in the world of switching because you can just you know, ship a whole site's worth of switches to a location and, and just get them deployed just like that, right? It's very easy to do. Um, and, and so what we were saying a few moments ago is that, you know, we've taken some of those things that were actually quite complex to do in the past when you needed a console cable and a TFTP server and goodness knows what else to keep uh, keep everything running and up to date. We've made that easy. We can now push that to the side and we can start to talk about some of the new uh, abilities that we've introduced that, that can really support uh, switching going into the new decade. I love saying that. It sounds so, you know, audacious, you know, so brave, like we're going into this new decade and we're going to transform the world of switching. 
let's try and do that. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so we introduced some new hardware in 2019 uh, that was quite important. And so what I'd like to do is just take a moment to um, have a look at uh, the, the, how things really changed in 2019, what we really changed, started doing differently on the switching platforms. Yeah, and by 2019, I think you're meaning the very, very end of it, just before yeah. we all went on break. Right. It was December of 2019 mm -hmm. for the MS390, right? Right. I think around that time. Yeah. Mm. So a Christmas present to the world. Yep. Uh, I think we, we want to talk about the MS390 definitely because it's a very important switch in the history of Meraki's uh, switching platforms. But a lot of people, of course, won't understand why. It looks broadly similar to all the other switches. Uh, so let's talk about a little bit about what uh, makes it different. Yeah, I can I can go for it, Rob. Go, Rob. All right, I can talk all day on this. Um, so I think like the MS three ninety is a it's a hugely important platform for Meraki and Cisco as a whole. First off, but it's interesting to us because this is the first time that we're actually bringing together Cisco Silicon in the in the box mm -hmm. with the Meraki cloud management platform. So now we get this benefit of the best of breed hardware that that Cisco has always brought to the to the marketplace. And now we get to apply our simplicity spin to these capabilities. And I think it's incredibly uh, exciting for me as a product manager to be in this team at this time. Um, so let's back up just a second there, because mm -hmm. I think this is something which I was certainly new to and didn't really understand the full importance of. Cisco is so big that it actually fabricates its own silicon for its own products, right? Yeah. So what we're saying is that we're, we're actually taking advantage of that Cisco fabricated technology for the first time, and we're implementing it in a Meraki switch. Yes, that's exactly it. Right. So we want to talk about what that potentially unlocks. And obviously, there's a lot of Cisco pedigree in switching. I mean, there's nobody who works in this industry who doesn't know of, of Cisco and its catalyst switches and so on. Um, so what, what, what do you think what do you think of when you're describing the, the advantages of bringing that silicon in? You started to talk about it there. So what, what do you how do you describe it? Yeah, so I think like when we when we talk about the the silicon, um, you know, the, there's a number of interesting capabilities that that uh, we as Cisco have within that silicon, right? Whether mm -hmm. it's uh, SGT capabilities or wait, 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 wait. first three letter acronym was this? I, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> certainly the first one that I stopped at anyway. Security group tags, scalable group tags, depending on on I guess the um, point in time. From, yeah. 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 Um, so um, security group tags, but also, um, you know, things like modular uplinks in the platform mm -hmm. or um, some some resiliency features like st uh, what's called stack power right. in the Cisco world. Stack power is one that caught my attention. It's quite cool, right? You can literally lose power to one of the switches. Is that right? And, it's, and it can take power from an, uh, an adjacent switch. Yeah. Yeah, so it's basically a, a power sharing mechanism, if you will, within a stack. That's pretty neat. So, I mean, I, certainly I never got any toys like that to play with when I was building networks. It was, at best, you would have the network resilience built through all of the different stacking uh, uh, architectures that you can go for, but never power as well. So we really have enabled you to, uh, to keep the lights on even longer mm -hmm. with that one. So stack power, that's that's definitely a nice one. Um, and modular connectivity. So you can choose what is what, what are the options that we have? There? Yeah, so, so from an uplink perspective on the MS390, you can have uh, 4 times 10 gig SFP plus, mm -hmm. um, 8 times 10 gig SFP plus, or 2 times 40 gig uh, QSFP plus. So wow. 
So many acronyms. I know. Uh, These are all fiber optic things, people. Uh, (laughs) Small form factor pluggable. There you go. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's not – it's kind of a combination of of, um, the hardware capabilities. But even in things like – in software, um, from a resiliency and redundancy perspective, if you take a look at uh, stack failover in the event of a stack member failure – Mm-hmm. With the uh, underlying capabilities of that platform, we can now get to sub-second failover mm. in the event of a, a stack member failure, right? Okay. So there's there's all of these inherent advantages that we we obtain with this platform, right? So we're we're providing a more robust platform, amongst other things, mm-hmm. um, and and I think what also what we wanted to talk about was what that starts to unlock by way of. Uh, new software features because I think that's one of the most exciting aspects of of this change of platform is that now our engineers upstairs uh, uh, again I'm doing a relative thing on a radio show <laughs> um, they sit upstairs from where we are uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen and uh, so they're busy coding away the, the latest um, new technologies that we want to bring to the market new capabilities that uh, apply to these products but they've now got a new platform that they can do that on and it enables them to uh, to really start exploring some new in, in some new directions, and I think it's quite an exciting uh, beginning that we've started already with the features that we've introduced uh, just at the end of 2019. So, Stephen, I'm going to turn to you now, and we're going to talk about a couple of those. So, um, so the one, that, the first one that I heard about was Secure Connect, and uh, I remember you and I talking about this many months ago when we were trying to decide what to call it and all yeah, of that stuff. Yeah, and now yeah. it's out there. So let's take a few moments and explain what that is all about and why it makes a difference for our customers. Sure. The the one thing that I wanted to know, just even before we go into the details of that, is mm. that with a, a couple of these really big features, Secure Connect and then some of the other things that we can do with the MS390, um, we decided early on when we were planning you know, this the launch of, of this new platform um, and uh, Secure Connect, by the way, is not just for the MS390. Right. Um, but we decided that we would take a little departure from the way that Meraki usually talks about roadmap, um, because normally, as as people that have listened to the the podcast or are familiar with Meraki probably know, mm-hmm. uh, we talk about zero roadmap uh, on a normal day. Um, but Secure Connect and uh, Adaptive Policy, as we'll talk about in the future, I think. Um, are two examples of where we have said, this isn't out yet, but we're making this commitment and we want to know, or we want to let our customers know mm-hmm. um, that this is coming and we've made a commitment to it. Um, so that's that's one really big shift. So actually Secure Connect um, is you know very much public knowledge, but it's it's not something that you can beta today. It's, right. it's around the corner. Um, we're targeting um, this first half of the calendar year. So it'll be a, another few months at least. So what was the reasoning behind sort of wanting to set that out in a different way and set it out in advance, if you like? That's a really good question. I mean, I, I think a, a lot of it comes around to maturity of, of our product line. Um, you know, as you said, MS has been around for, for quite a few years already. Mm-hmm. Um, and switching when it's that Definitely not, uh, what do we say, plumbing of the network? Right. <laughs> yes, so much more than that. So much more than that. Um, but when it is mission critical that way and, and people see switches as an investment that they're going to keep around for easily five years, sometimes longer than that, um, you you want to know what's, what's around the corner. You mm-hmm. want to have the good feeling that Meraki is continuing to innovate and develop and, and for the platform that you're investing in also. Yep. Um, so I think that made it the, the correct decision mm-hmm. at, at this point. 
um, not only for the for a feature like Secure Connect, which is on existing platforms that we already have out there, but also taking a look into okay, we have this new switch platform coming out. What will it allow you to do in right. the future? Right. Why would you buy into it today? Okay, all right. So let's let's explore Secure Connect in a little bit more detail. I want to walk okay. us through the the challenge that it tries to address and the way in which it does that. So the challenge that Secure Connect tries to address is extremely simple. Um, if we're just looking at it from um, Meraki sells APs and Meraki sells switches. Mm -hmm. So if you plug an AP into a switch, shouldn't it just work? I mean, that is the very simple concept there. Reasonable. Shouldn't it just work? And we have all sorts of ways of you know, automating this and orchestrating it from the dashboard. You, know, you can ship them out, as you said earlier, and while they're in flight, you can start configuring all of them. But really, that's, you know, that's something that's done on dashboard manually from mm -hmm. uh, a user's perspective. Um, this is the essence of really shouldn't it just work together. So Secure Connect tries to solve that automation problem as well as bringing in some really standards-based security mm -hmm. uh, along with it. So the the workflow would be, you know, you take an AP out of the box, you plug it into an MS switch, um, and the MS identifies that as an, an MR, a Meraki uh, access point. Oh, okay. So and then at that point, I mean, so sure, you could have spoofed that. We're, we're looking at things like LODP for those technical people out there listening. Yep. Um, sure, you could, you, know, you could spoof that, which is where the security part comes in. But ultimately, we're saying, I know an MR just plugged in. After that, I can then configure the switch port for the exact configuration that you want to happen. Uh, you know, is it uh, does it need a certain native VLAN? Does it need mm -hmm. you know spanning tree configured a certain way on that port per best practices? Right. Um, that and would be just, based on a on a template or something. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. You could think of it as a template. Mm -hmm. um, and then you know, once it sees that MR, it applies the switch port config automatically, and away it goes. Um, that way, you never have to figure out you know where might I can uh, plug in a. a an AP in the future? Mm -hmm. Or what if somebody goes in and, and unplugs an AP because they go, ah, I see that AP plugged into the switch port in the conference room. I know that that switch port is live. So I'm just right. going to unplug that and you know plug in my own device and away we go, yep. um, which is a massive security risk. Mm -hmm. um, so it's solving that. It's like, I, I don't really have to know where I'm going to plug it in. Um, it, it just works. That's really nice. And I, I, you reminded me when you were describing the the, the meeting room scenario, or maybe even the reception area of a building, this this uh, challenge that we initially went out to solve with a protocol called 802.1x, where we had the ports essentially locked down uh, so that you couldn't just come along and plug in any random computer and immediately get onto the uh, the corporate intranet uh, and do whatever you needed to do. This is really moving way past that to next level. Well, so it is sort of. Um, Did I oversell it? The, <laughs> actually, not. No, you you didn't oversell it because. Um, but the sort of part is because uh, it is actually using 82.1x. Mm -hmm. um, but 82.1x is is massively complicated to roll out um, as a protocol. I mean, it, it's not that complicated. Um, there's a few different ways you can authenticate, and as long as it's set up perfectly right, then you're fine. Mm -hmm. um, but it's about the planning and the implementation that can, you know, the rollout of that can take corporations years sometimes right. to make right. sure that that gets done completely correct. Yeah. Um, so what we've done is automated that. And we've also taken there are many different flavors of 802.1x, and uh, the arguably, but probably most people would agree, the most secure version of that uses certificates mm -hmm. um, to authenticate the device to the switch. Yep. So we've actually um, 
automatically managed the certificate infrastructure on the back end. Um, right. We download a certificate to the MR access point, and then it uses that to authenticate to the Meraki oh, that's switch. Awesome. So that, that's basically rock solid at that point. You're, you're really into the best level of security that's available. At this Absolutely. Point. I mean, yeah. we could have designed this a million ways, but the beauty about this is that it's standards-based. Yep. Um, you know, if you went and did a packet capture or if you have your auditors that, you know, say has to be 100 percent, you know, whatever PCI compliant, mm -hmm. um, these are things that they would understand. You don't have to really read a white paper to figure out what we've done here. Wow. That sounds really nice. And and so it sounds like a really clean implementation. It's the kind of thing that would make, a, I'm sure, an engineering department very happy because they haven't gone out and reinvented the wheel. They've leveraged existing technologies, but they've done so in a way that is much more turnkey for the Meraki customer, which is really what we're always trying to achieve, right? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Taking something that has many moving parts, yep. takes a long time to configure and simplified it to just check a few boxes. Nice. Um, for that matter, I mean, we even have a, a professional team within Cisco to manage that certificate mm -hmm. uh, infrastructure. Um, so we've we've gone the, the full mile in that. So it, it takes the security part of that, adds it to the automation, yep. and both of those are benefits. Awesome. I, I, that's a really nice, uh, nice implementation. A really nice example of uh, the work simple mantra that we uh, we're constantly espousing at Meraki. So love that, um, Rob. Let's let's turn to you. And we're going to talk about adaptive policy. Adaptive policy, which uh, which you know he's rubbing his hands in excitement at this one. This is uh, this this one's a little little involved. A little involved. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's maybe a little bit of an understatement, but let's see how we make it <laughs> Let's see if we this. can break it down. Let's see if we can break it down. Absolutely. So um, yeah, when I'm when we were talking about the, the MS390, I mentioned you know, our first three-letter acronym, mm -hmm. SGTs, yes. right? So um, adaptive policy, if we take a look at some of the challenges that our customers face in networks, one of the big challenges that they, um, they have to overcome is managing policies, right? right? If policies you to do... Let's let's break it all the way down to the essentials. So, what do we use policies for typically? Right. So, uh, primarily, we're looking at enforcement, traffic enforcement policies, like mm -hmm. permit traffic between this IP and that IP, right? right? And when you get into these these larger deployments, uh, multiple sites, you know, you may may or may not have a a firm understanding of the IP addressing scheme at a site, mm -hmm. right? And let's say, you know, let, let's let's take a, t a typical use case here. Let's say we've got an HR person at site A, right? They are on a on a specific segment of a network. Uh, they have a specific IP address. They have ACL entries in in you know, in existing network land yep. that permit or deny access to certain systems. Mm -hmm. What happens if that IP addressing changes? Right. Right. Or they move to a different network segment. Now suddenly, as a network administrator, you have to go through and parse through, in some cases, hundreds of rules to find right. that IP. Those ACLs are pretty ugly. Exactly. It just grows out of control very easily, doesn't it? Exactly. Yep. It, it, it very much does. So we, you know, when we looked at, at, at policy uh, at scale and our, our customers, we wanted to do this in a better way, mm -hmm. right? Um, and when you boil it down to it, what if you could actually, and, and Stephen's going to despise me for taking his line, but uh, what if you could uh, you know, build policies based on natural language, right? right. In, instead of having to say 192.168.8.3 has access to 172.16.31.10, why not just say HR has access to HR system? That's radical. Me. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. I mean, okay. that, the full credit for that, that statement goes to Steven. But... Oh, no, no, no. It's all team here. It's all team. <laughs> go, team. go team. Yeah. <clears throat> 
But um, you know, for, for what adaptive policy ultimately is is that it, it is a it is a policy um, construct, if you will, mm-hmm. that is natural language based. Um, that exists in Meraki at an organizational level. Right. So what I mean by that is if I have 100 sites that have MS390 and uh, current generation MR access points, and I want a consistent policy across all of the sites, mm-hmm. adaptive policy enables that because it's an organizational level uh, feature. So that makes sense. Yep. Everything you've explained makes sense so far. I'm still a bit confused uh, and I'm not making this up for the audience either. I'm genuinely a little bit confused about the uh, relationship between these security group tags, mm-hmm. which sounds like a similar concept to me, to a policy group. Yeah. yeah so you, help me out here. Yeah, and th- that that's really the second piece yep. uh, to adaptive policy. Like okay. The first piece is that, that policy construct. SGTs are how we actually uh, perform that identification and enforcement. So mm-hmm. if, if uh, folks out there are familiar with uh, Cisco TrustSec, um, familiar with the concept of an SGT uh, that's assigned to a client, you can build rules, ACLs, based on those SGTs. Mm-hmm. So what we're, we're doing with adaptive policy is we're leveraging the, the capabilities in the MS390 in that Cisco silicon yep. to use these SGTs as an identifier for clients that are connected. Right. Right. So within adaptive policy, we have these groups that have an associated SGT, and you can create natural language rules between those groups. So the SGT mm-hmm. is HR, is the department, for example, in that's used in the natural language processing. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Yeah. So I like to think of it as... Um, if you imagine in your head, you know, you, you have a client connected to, let's take the simple um, case, usually your clients are connected to an AP and mm-hmm. then up through a switch, right? Whatever device, whatever Meraki device that supports adaptive policy um, that it hits first, so like in this case, the MR, um, the client is sending traffic to that MR all day long and the MR gets that traffic. And then when it sends it out, it's uplink, it wraps that in encapsulation that contains the SGT. Right. So every little bit of data that comes out of that client and up through the network has this tag that's mm-hmm. associated with it. Mm-hmm. And that's how it knows where that data came from. And and that's really what we use as an identifier all the way through the rest of the network. So that when we get to the other side, we can say, oh, well, we know where it came from mm-hmm. and we know who we're sending it to because that person is connected directly. Yep. And then we can do this, um, you know, the rule processing that says... Well, I know it was HR going to this other place. Mm-hmm. Should that be allowed or denied? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the the SGT uh, component really helps us to to break it down into a manageable chunk. Essentially, is what we're saying. Essentially, yeah. It, it's it's the it's the identifier that we carry throughout an adaptive policy right. network. But the the I think like the 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 great thing about us leveraging um, an existing technology like SGTs is that this opens up a world of possibilities for us within larger Cisco infrastructures, mm-hmm. right? So um, when we look at our, our customers, uh, they may have catalyst in areas in their network. Mm-hmm. They may have uh, WLC-based access points. They may have like this this hybrid environment, right? Right. So we when we we when we uh, approach adaptive policy. Um, our, our one of our key focuses was how does this work within a larger Cisco environment? Right, Makes right, sense. right. So because we're using SGTs, um, you know, attached to that 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 uh, packet as it carries through the network, mm-hmm. 
if there's a, a an SGT capable device like a, a Catalyst ninety five hundred, let's say that is a um, that's a distribution switch, mm -hmm. if that packet reaches that switch and it has an SGT assigned to it. Mm -hmm. If the 9500 is configured correctly, it will continue to carry that SGT on to the destination. Right, okay. And we can still enforce policy now, both in an adaptive policy domain uh, or in a, in a TrustSec environment, mm -hmm. right? So now we have this holistic um, security solution, if you will, that is not only Meraki-centric, but you know, across Cisco portfolios. Right, so that's huge. So uh, if you think about how many customers that become Meraki customers already using Cisco technology either prior to getting introduced to Meraki or maybe they have a mix because they've acquired a company or they've started to experiment with Meraki at some of their branch offices. What we're saying is that we can now have a consistent policy experience that can operate regardless of that infrastructure that you've got deployed on sites. Yeah. That's huge. It is. Uh, so the big step forward. And um, so you have uh, the means to configure these presumably on both sides as well. Um, how do you kind of line them up logically? Is there an easy way to do that? <laughs> so th there, there currently is not a, a mechanism to, to synchronize those policies right. between. Okay. Right. So, But what we are doing with adaptive policy is we are building um, an API um, Application programmable interface. Ooh, good job. I know. I didn't even right? have to stop you there. <laughs> I know. I stopped myself. Um, an API that that will allow um, you know a customer to push policy and groups up to the dashboard, right. um, so that they don't have to manually configure it via UX. Um, you know, kind of in the in this um, perfect vision of the world where we want to get to is is some mechanism of pushing policy from a, a Cisco type of domain, whether that's TrustSec or um, you know, SDA, but push that to the Meraki dashboard. So that, that would be like the, the golden future that we'd love to get to. Okay. Yeah, and we're enabling that. I wanted to touch on the API part of it because mm -hmm. we're enabling that by having this feature as an API first feature, which is something that you know, we have as um, a goal across Meraki, but you know, this is a great example of of a larger feature coming really soon, right. where we've you know put our put our money where it counts, yep. um, and that being there won't be any part of this feature that doesn't also work as an API, either configured or monitored part of the feature. And we keep hearing so much about these. Um, we've we've had I think so far two episodes on Meraki Unboxed that were focused on APIs. They were hugely successful, very very well listened to. Uh, and I think the next one we've got lined up after this is also looking at uh, at um, the API side of the house. So it's definitely an area where we're seeing a lot of uh, a lot of interest. Uh, and so it's you know it's awesome to hear that we're actually implementing, putting our money where our mouth is, as you said, to mm -hmm. um, to actually get the uh, the features accessible to people who are going down that sort of network automation and integration route. Yeah, but uh, you know, by that matter, we you should also be able to configure a really powerful feature like this that can span across you know multiple different sites in your entire organization mm -hmm. just through the UI. Right, and so so coming back to the SGTs, then we have this concept. You you mentioned that as traffic is going, for example, from an AP into the network, then it's it's given that tag at that stage. Mm -hmm. Is that because uh, I'm, I'm still not quite there with the end customer, the end user. So when I connect to the network, at what point does my traffic get that tag assigned to it? 
Right. So if you're if you're a user, you connect to an AP. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a dot one X based authentication, right? Yep. So you, you use name and password. Um, there's there's a couple of different ways that we can actually assign tags to your your connected device. Right. Uh, in a lot of cases, uh, by sending a radius attribute value pair. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have a radius server like ICE, you can define a rule that says, "Hey, I'm Simon. I'm part of." Marketing, uh, marketing has this associated SGT, and ICE will send that SGT back right. to the AP. Right. Okay. So now, anytime you send traffic from your authenticated device, that SGT is applied when that when that uh, frame goes out on the wire to the switch. Okay. So as soon as it hits the first networking device, basically, it's then encapsulated and given this uh, this SGT wrapper. Yes. To to get it through the network. So okay. I'm I'm, I'm guessing yeah you're doing well Simon. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing there's also uh, at least a few listeners out there that are confused as to why we keep using this MR AP example mm-hmm. in a switching podcast. So I just wanted to note there that um, this whole scheme doesn't really work out for you and doesn't give you that benefits unless it's across your your access layer, but really end to end from wherever you're sending from to. Yeah. Um, and that's why this is not just a, a new MS390 switching feature. Um, right. But we worked very closely with the uh, the MR team as well to make sure that all of the 802.11ac Wave 2 access points that are already out there and deployed mm-hmm. um, and all of the 11ax access points, um, those just with a software upgrade will be able to have this enabled as well. Right. And it makes sense because because uh, part of the, the value I see in this feature is this ability to move around and have a common experience. Uh, and as we've ex- as we've explored, that could be even a- across multiple sites as well. And the reality is that most of us connect on Wi-Fi. I cannot remember the last time I plugged an Ethernet cable into my laptop. Um, Sometimes I, guess, I just do it out of defiance because I'm an MS product manager. <laughs> right, 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 yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> Yes, it's just it's just a hard fact of life that, uh, that for the most part the Wi-Fi is now so powerful that um, we just don't even think about doing that anymore. Um, okay, so that that sounds like a pretty solid couple of features that we've announced. I think one of the uh, one of the other areas that we were talking about before we started uh, the show recording today uh, was around quality and serviceability. So some of the enhancements that we've brought along there. So uh, one of you like to take that one on. Stephen. Stephen. Uh, everybody's looking at me. So, <laughs> I guess uh, it's you then. <laughs> two votes this way. Um, yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll start it with. I have to put one of my worst jokes in in every sort of meeting or presentation that I that I go to. This and, is where I feel like I need a, some kind of a drum roll jingle that I play uh, yeah, in these situations. Or, or just being able to edit it later. Right. Um, <laughs> so the one for today is. What is the number one uh, top feature that that anyone wants out of switching? Mm-hmm. And that is just just for it to keep switching packets. Yes, yes. I I warned you it wasn't going to be funny. Um, but, so quality and you know a lot of times uh, internally we talk about serviceability and in sort of that same vein. Um, this is always top of mind for us. Um, we, you know, the, whenever we're looking at what's the, the, you know, the next best feature that's going to come out, like adaptive policy, uh, it's always how do we also make sure that we're giving an, you know, an equal mm-hmm. um, amount of engineering time to, you know, quality and investment and in, investing in in that side of the house as right. well. Um, so there's things like. Uh, 
in fact, the the most recent um, major release before uh, the MS390, uh, MS11, um, that was entirely focused on you know going back to our roots of of doubling down on quality, um, and and you know we came from a pretty good spot with MS10, but we actually put close to not a lot of new features into MS11 just mm-hmm. to make sure that we could double down on that. Uh, and one of our goals out of that was to take it from what became almost a year long release cycle to get it from a beta to a GA software. Um, and we cut that down in half to just about six months. Nice. Um, and actually, my personal goal would to be even you know a, a month or two ahead of that. Mm-hmm. So we're shooting for this two to three major releases per year. Um, and one thing that will help us get there is uh, making sure that we focus on quality all along the way. Right. And it, it's really interesting when we go and when we talk with engineers on the team. Um, I, I was before I, uh, I became a part of this product team. Um, you know, I had my um, let's say I wasn't sure uh, where quality <laughs> fell in in any particular engineers. You got you know, a fast moving, yeah, dynamic tech company. You know, do they want to work on the yeah. latest greatest thing? Do yeah. they? But honestly, it's amazing how much when you say we're going to focus on quality right now, how much um, acceptance and um, and like. Uh, positivity comes out of that room. Yep. Um, it, it's just, it's amazing. So uh, the uh, the faster time to GA was a big goal that we hit, um, as well as we've been baking in some features along the way. So mm-hmm. um, a little bit later in MS10, we added this feature so that if something was really terribly wrong with your switch and it just was not even online to be able to troubleshoot with support, you could actually uh, just download a bundle of all of the sort of tech support details um, to your own local laptop and then be able to email it to support offline. Um, right. So, of course, you're, you're still working with support in that interaction, but whereas before, you know, they can log in, they can, you know, get some extra details behind the scenes, um, but if it's just offline, like, we all have to be pretty honest that cloud-managed switches are hard to troubleshoot right. when they're offline. One of, one of the leading <laughs> so, objections we've, we faced in the early years. Exactly. So that's something that we added to, to help with that. Right. Okay. Um, and, and there are other simple examples as well, you know, the... Um, a while back, we introduced this concept of just alerting when you have a, a mismatch in your native VLAN. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've done it a bunch of times, setting up either a, my home network or a customer's network. You mismatch the VLANs, and all of a sudden, you're troubleshooting something completely unrelated. Right. And two hours later, you realize that it was just as simple as you know configuring the VLANs incorrectly. That's so. one of the biggest challenges for network engineers, isn't it? It's uh, avoiding the rat hole of thinking you know what the uh, the actual cause of the problem is, and you just go off in completely the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's been there? <laughs> yeah. 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 We're all thinking of our own examples now. Oh, yes. But so th- this sort so of, uh, the, I think these are smaller examples of really where we hope to head in the future as well, mm-hmm. which is to continue on that. I love that balance. I think that's so important. And uh, I mean, it really, it's its almost stating the obvious, but I do think it's a, it's a, it's a very reasonable point. And we see this in the world of software a lot where you, you have this tussle between those who want to get the latest and greatest features out there and those who want to sort of focus on performance and stability and obstacle security. 
Uh, and, and really trying to make sure we bake that into the development cycle and hearing that the engineers are passionate about that as well, especially for a product as important as a switch. I mean, really, they, we talk about the plumbing for a reason. It's it's as important as the plumbing. If there's one thing I learned about plumbing, it's that if something goes wrong with it, it's your highest priority. So, <laughs> so, so we started out saying we'll not talk about plumbing, and now we've said it a good 10 or 12 times. Right, <laughs> right, right. Let's, uh, let's, let's just let that sit there for a while. <laughs> Okay, so uh, have we covered everything we wanted to talk about today? I think that was a, a pretty good run through, actually. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think so, I think so, so uh, it's, it's exciting product, and um, the the thing which is really interesting is that uh, again we talk about switching as that basic fundamental requirement in every business, uh, but it is still an area where our engineers are constantly evolving and looking at new ways of of addressing the, the challenges that are coming along, and I think uh, the one that I, that we really that stands out to me from the conversation today. Is that that ability to be able to provide a common experience for users who are connected into the network, regardless of where they're connected and even on what site and, and in some cases, whatever Cisco technology they happen to be using. Um, really nice, uh, nice capabilities. And of course, there are um, various ways in which you can take these things for a spin and give them a try in your network. We have trials of all the gear that we sell, uh, so you can always do that as well. Um, Okay, so I think we'll wrap things up. Anything else we want to cover? What are you working on at the moment? Top secret. Yes. Do you want to tell the world? Working on things. <laughs> Absolutely, all the time. And the best way to stay in touch with those <laughs> is to subscribe to Meraki Unbox, the podcast. So, uh, all right, let's get things wrapped up for this one. This is our first show of 2020, and we're just getting back in the groove here. I'm really excited to have had you join us for this, and I hope you picked up some useful uh, tips and guidance on what we've been up to in the world of switching. And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. As I said, we'll be focusing for our next episode uh, on APIs. We touched on those a little bit today. It is pretty much a continuous topic now. We hear about this a lot more regularly now that people are starting to implement and control their networks and broader software solutions uh, that can leverage the APIs that we have out there. And, and as Stephen said, we, we are very much trying to encourage our engineers to uh, provide the API hooks that are needed to configure almost anything across the platform. So anytime there's a new feature, we want to have it uh, accessible via API as well. So what we're going to be discussing in a couple of weeks will be around uh, how one of our uh, partner companies has actually gone and uh, implemented these APIs and added a little bit of value on their own to make some really cool solutions for their customers. So if you want to hear that episode, the best thing to do is to click the subscribe button on whichever application you're using to listen to this show. And uh, we'll be right back in a couple of weeks. So from Stephen, Rob, and myself, gentlemen, thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's been fun. And we'll be back in two weeks. See you then. Bye for now.